Hi, everybody. Welcome back to In the Dark. Um, having a rain day here again. We've had a couple nights of pretty heavy thunderstorms, lots of trees down. PPNL's been out uh, trying to fix power lines. We keep having really short power outages, and it's been pretty fun, though, but I, I really love the rain. I was looking at this piece of land I was going to buy, and it was really weird because talk about a sign from God. I mean, I don't know if it's a sign from God or you know, a sign from, you know, demons or whatever, but it was, it, I went to look at this property and this property has a little house on it and it's a really cute little house. I mean, it is adorable. I thought it was like a shed or something, but it looks like a little house. So I messaged the realtor and I was like, you know, what's this little house on there? And she said, it's this tiny house. So I went back yesterday and I actually got out of the car and I was walking up to this house and this is in the forest. So it's a little scary pretty freaky stuff. And there's part of the land that's cleared and it's not very far from me now, but it's, I was just intrigued with this place. I don't know why. Um, part of the land is cleared. It's got about two and a half acres, maybe two and a quarter acres to it. So it'd be perfect for what I want. And so I, I go back and I get out of the car and I went over to the forested side of it. And this is pretty forested. It's got a lot of trees. And um, I got out of the car and I went over to the, I was walking up to the house and it's like this path that's really nature-y. So you're almost scared to walk because you don't know if you're going to, you know, find a snake or walk in poison or whatever. And I'm getting up to this house and I'm like, you know, I just have this weird feeling I shouldn't go any further, you know. So I get to this point where there's almost like this drop in, I don't even know if you'd call it a sidewalk. I don't know what it was, but it was like this... Um, just this section of, of whatever. I don't even know if it was wood and it looked like it had like a little bit of a drop off. And I was like, I'm just not comfortable with this. Cause I really don't even know like what's under my feet. So I got in the car and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do this another day. I'll do it when somebody's with me or something, you know, and, um, get in the car and I go back today just to check. Cause I was just, I kind of like, I've been driving by it. Cause I do that a lot. Like if I like something, I'll kind of keep familiarizing myself with it to get to see how I feel. So I went by it again today and this huge, enormous tree had broken off and literally fell where it nicked the side of the house. It didn't really do any damage. It just, you can see where like a piece of metal from the roof bent a little, but it was something really easily repaired. And this, this whole tree trunk fell right in front of the house, right in front of the door where I was going to walk right in the section where I felt weird. And I was just, I'm looking at this going, wow, like this is really wild. You know, like this is wild that, you know, like I was here yesterday and I got out of the car and I was going to go in there and I felt funny. And then this enormous tree, like this whole, it was like, it was like an enormous tree that was like, I don't even know how many feet in the air it was like half. It was, it grew like in two sections and one of the entire sections broke off and this tree was not dead. I mean, you can see that it's very, it was a very healthy section that broke. So it took a force to break this thing. And because we had some pretty wicked wind yesterday and um, this thing fell right directly in front of the house. And I was just like, is this a sign? Like, is this a sign from God? 
or is this a sign from like, you know, the demons messing with me? Like what is going on here? So I'm going to need to say some prayers for clarity on this one. Cause it's, it's, it was just fascinating to me. Okay. So, uh, last week, um, about five days ago, I did my last, um, podcast. I, I've been just, I wanted to tell you guys, I am up on YouTube now. Okay. I have my channel on YouTube. It's called in the dark. Just look up in the dark and then put in Tracy Bush and that should pull it up. Um, if it doesn't message me and let me know, but just look for the big wolf. I have, or the, yeah, the wolf, the dog man, look for the dog man picture. And I'm going to try to put a link in the description too to the YouTube channel. I'll, I'll look that up and I'll put that down in the description so you guys can find it. Um, it isn't, they're not videos of me. It's just videos of, I just have a picture up of the, like the, the thumbnail. And then I've got, you know, the recording because I, I, I converted them directly over from my podcast on here to YouTube. So it wasn't like I had to make you know, an actual video or a new video or anything like that. And I'm kind of more comfortable with that anyway, because I really don't feel like dressing up and getting all made up and stuff for the camera. I'm just, I'm just kind of like, no, I don't feel like doing all that, you know, and getting all self-conscious and stuff. I'd rather just keep it like this. If you guys want to see what I look like or anything, you can get on Facebook and um, I'm up on Facebook. So, um, well, I mean, there's a lot of me, there's a lot of Tracy Bushes on Facebook, but you can always message me and I can send you a picture <laughs> or at some point, maybe I'll, I'll put a picture up, but, um, so I am on YouTube and I will put a link up there. Um, I wanted to finish last week. I was reading about some reptilian stories, some reptile sightings, and there was a couple other short ones I wanted to finish reading. I was just running out of time. I like to stay under 45 minutes, you know, 50 minutes an hour at the most. So I really don't like to go, to go over that. Cause I think it just gets to be too much. Um, but I was going to finish reading a couple of these short stories to you. So I had read this story, um, from Wes and that wasn't the last one. The last story I had read on my last podcast before this one was from a guy named Wes. And he also wrote in another message about sleep paralysis that he was wondering if, um, you know, he'd gone through something with sleep paralysis that phenomenon or something like that. Um, but he wasn't sure because he said he knew that like sleep paralysis was similar to what he experienced, but it wasn't quite the same. So he was looking up, inter you know, information on it, that type of stuff on the internet. And he just said, no one really knows why people experience sleep paralysis. We only know to some degree what triggers it. In my case, it was probably irregular sleep patterns for one. However, my next question is, is it all in your head, like they suggest, or do you really experience something real? Science is always quick to tell you that it is all in your head when they can't explain something properly. Of course they are. I don't question the phenomenon they have labeled sleep paralysis, and this was probably what I experienced, but it is just a label for something we don't know too much about. What if sleep paralysis actually is about real encounters? which I definitely believe they are because I'm a Christian and I know that we are at war at all times and surrounded by demons and dark forces and the devil at all times. In our sleep, we would be very vulnerable in. 
Um, so what if sleep paralysis actually is about real encounters and not only in your head? It definitely was very real to me, like a psychic attack with some creatures materializing. When, well, it sounds like the demon world. When you abuse your body, whether it is from lack of sleep, bad eating habits, drug abuse, or something else destructive, quote, sin, you are also more prone to pulling in lower vibration phenomena, demonic attacks. I mean, let's break this down, guys. Okay. So I got some other people that wrote in um, about reptilian experiences. I feel compelled to write you about an experience that happened to me. I remember the date exactly. It was Christmas morning, 1981. I was in college at the time and my parents lived in the next town over. I had no license, alcohol abuse, and my mom was going to come to pick me up a little later. Anyway, I woke up in my bedroom of the house. I shared with three other students. They had all left a few day, for a few days previously for Christmas break. The head of my bed, which consisted of a mattress on the floor, was against the wall of the bedroom. I woke up on my back looking up between the legs of something I described at the time as a green demon. It was, as you said, extremely muscular and, I'm sorry, it was, as I said to my friend, extremely muscular and seemed to be dressed on only in only a loincloth. Sorry, sometimes we get... Readings messed up here. Um, so that the the, the de this uh, reptilian was dressed only in a loincloth. I'm surprised it had any clothes on at all. Skin was not scaly, as I recall. It had a square jaw, pointed ears, and a rather cruel grin. As it became aware that I was awake, it looked down at me and leaned forward, putting its hands on my chest. The weight was tremendous, and I almost lost all the air in my lungs. I managed to hold what was left of the air in my lungs, even though I felt there was a thousand pound weight on my chest. I believed that I was going to die in my bed, and the thought of my mother finding me dead in my bed didn't appeal to me at all. I figured the cause of death would be called a heart attack. Feeling like I had nothing to lose, I decided to fight. If there was any way to fight, I put my hands on the shins of the monster and sat up in bed. The thing tumbled over bounced between my legs on the mattress and faded from sight as it bounced up. Years later, I read about something called the old hag, some sort of supernatural visitor that suffocates people by sitting on their chests. That's my story for what it's worth. B.E. Um, remember, guys, okay, whether you're a Christian or not, if you run into these, anything like this, I don't care if it's an alien, a hag, a succubus, you know, whatever sitting on you, a reptilian, you know, a straight up demon, you start invoking in the name of Jesus. Just try it. Okay. Just try it and see what happens because that's your weapon. And if that doesn't get you to believe, I don't know what would. I experienced an experience with a reptilian during the time in my life. I, I was drinking heavy and, in, uh, and into playing the drums and surfing. Now I have peace at night. Every night before I go to sleep, I plead the blood of Christ over my mind and heart and body and ask him to send some warring angels to keep the wicked one away. I believe 
it was a satanic attack from the enemy since hang on i'm sorry i'm having a hard time reading what they wrote here i believe it was a satanic attack from the enemy since i had no true spiritual protection at that time and i believe people are taken captive by the will of satan the god of this world and we do warfare against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places to this date i have peace at night my son also experienced the same and was woke up one night while i was under attack so it was not all in my mind as he was witness to it there is now this person didn't explain exactly what happened to them there is something going on in the world that we cannot disclaim and ignore that something bad is really happening and people are unaware and ignorant of the wicked one's devices. And, you know, a lot of people come to that truth when they do have experiences and they understand that these things are real, you know, and if these things are real, then that probably means God's real. Now, when I, now when it tries to happen, I just get really angry as I would, and I have been able to overcome any fear and use the name of Jesus and even at times speak in tongues if I have to. That was DJ. Another story. This is the last one for today for the reptile stories. <clears throat> I think this is a reptile story. I haven't read it all yet. Um, when I was 16 years old, I was taking a lot of MDMA and doing drugs. And I think this is what made my brain able to experience this. I attribute it to potential brain damage or susceptibility to sleep paralysis. During the period of my drug abuse, I had multiple experiences with sleep paralysis, but none were as scary as this. None involved any spirit creatures at all until this point. <clears throat> I went to bed that night with my window open, no screen. Not good, guys. Don't ever do that. There's a reason human beings are afraid of the dark. Any demonic entity could have entered my room. In the morning, I was half awake. I could see the light of the day, but couldn't move an inch. I could see, but everything was kind of cloudy. I felt as if there was super gravity and I weighed a thousand pounds. No matter how hard I tried to move, I just couldn't. I felt an ominous presence looming nearby. It was very scary. I heard a rustling of my leaves outside my window, which was open, and within seconds, a hideous reptilian creature lunged at me, exposing its teeth. It had thousands of small razor-sharp fangs and was a dark olive green. It had big, hideous reptilian eyes. I will never forget the experience. When the experience occurred, I could not sleep for 48 hours. It was very, very terrifying. When I woke up from the experience, I had wet the bed and was soaking wet, and I am not a bedwetter. I think the terror caused me to wet myself. Of course it would. It would probably anybody. Probably do more than that. We are talking the most sheer ultimate terror. This being was very, very scary. I had thought several things. One, that the drugs had induced it. Or two, my ex-girlfriend, who was mad at me because I had belonged, I had something that belonged to her, was a Wiccan. And I suspect she may have, I suspected she may have done some ceremony to cause this. All I can say is I was and still am to this day freaked the heck out. I went to a website 
and discovered that there are other described experiences of reptilian sleep paralysis and that I am not insane. This has happened to other people. I thought the drugs had induced a mental psychosis, but in fact, they actually may have opened my third eye. The demon had a very large head and lunged at me from outside my window. I could hear the rustling of leaves as if it was preparing its attack outside my window. My hair stood on end as I described this experience to my um, friends. When it lunged at me, it hissed and bared its thousands of sharp fangs, and that's when I woke up, right as it was about to kill me. I thought I was crazy or mentally ill until I discovered I am not the only one who has experienced this. That's true. A lot of times when you go through something, you get online, you can look up almost anything and find other people that have gone through something similar to you, whether it's your health, you know, demonic attacks, seeing crazy creatures, almost anything. It's out there. Thank God for the internet in a lot of ways. It really is therapy for a lot of us, you know, like a reassurance that, you know, we're not crazy or we're not going to die or whatever. Um, And that is, and what is very, very eerie is that they all describe the same thing, a green reptilian monster. At first I thought it was some sort of troll or goblin. It didn't seem like a reptile, but then again, I only saw its face, not its whole body. I'm very interested in other experiences from other people is there is this a pretty rare experience to experience i do not know all i know is to this day i feel there is another dimension an alternate reality where everything is the same as it is here but darker and inhabited by these demonic beings i would call it a shadow realm of sorts i agree with this the fourth dimension or whatever dimension, and from what I've read, when your mind goes into a deep sleep, it is quite possible that you do not fully wake up and end up stuck between the waking world and the dream world. I think your brain has an evolved mechanism so that you do not end up possessed by these demons, causing you to wake up before any harm is done. Very scary. I have never been the same since. And that was from NN. So there's your little dose of true reptile encounters, which is always fun to know about, isn't it? Isn't it great? It's just fun. It'd be wonderful if these were just like made up stories that people wrote in, but these are actually real stories. Ted Gunderson. I wanted to complete the one section I had written out about him and I will get into more. This is just part of it. Okay. There is a lot. Um, I'm going to finish up with some things here. Um, Gunderson claimed his life was far more exciting once he got out of the FBI and that the entire 30 years he was in far more exciting. When he first got out of the FBI, his first major case was the triple murder case involving Jeffrey McDonald out of Fort Bragg. Long story short, he was tried, convicted, sentenced to three consecutive life sentences. McDonald was a Green Beret, a captain, and a doctor. He's still in prison today. He was set up by the government, and I will go into some of that a little bit more later, but 
I just want to get into some things that Ted had, had encountered. Gunderson was hired by the defense team after he was convicted. Within 10 months, Gunderson had a signed confession from a girl by the name of Helena Scope, who told Gunderson he did not commit the murders, that they were committed by a satanic group that had government officials that were part of it. McDonald was set up. Gunderson went public with the info, and people came to him from every part of the country to give him their own accounts, and that's when Gunderson got hooked into finding the truth about our government. He stated that's when the lights went on for him, the awakening. Since Gunderson went public, he had had, this is an ex-head of the FBI for 30 years, okay? Since he went public with the information that our government is infiltrated with Satanists and a lot of crap is going on here, okay? Way more crap than good, or more bad than good, I should say. So Gunderson went public. Since then, he had had three occasions when gunmen were waiting for him. He had had his windows shot out twice in his apartment, both times while he was standing near or in front of the window. The FBI opened four investigations of him. The FBI opened four investigations of him. He had found out through the Freedom of Information Act that this had happened. He could only get one page per report, no, com no comprehensive reports at all. So when he requested the information, they only gave him just, you know, like one page per report that really didn't, didn't explain much, okay? At the end of the report, it was noted on each report that Gunderson should be considered armed and dangerous. He stated, yeah, he was dangerous, but with knowledge, not with guns. Although he probably carried. Um... They also put a girl on him named Pam, Pam Fawcett, who had the run of the Modesto office for the FBI, and she was put on him to investigate him. He was to be ultimately set up with drugs. She was paid $2,000 back then. Didn't really know the whole story and what was really going on, but they paid her and she bit. She had been dealing with the DEA and the FBI. And after a while, she came to realize what was really going on. And she called Ted Gunderson and met him at a coffee shop and told him he was the only honest person, or SOB in her words, that she had spoken with in the past six months. She ended up on a hit list herself because of it, of it told him she did not know what she was going to do. And through all this, Gunderson had gone as far as to polygraph her, and she passed the polygraph with flying colors. This is a, an organization that he was, he worked for. Gunderson became the victim of a massive amount of disinformation. He was also poisoned. At one point, when he realized he was having some issues and he was poisoned... He went into the emergency room, and his blood pressure was 242 over 119. 
The hospital ultimately found arsenic and cyanide in him, but they ended up pumping him with this gas that when they pumped it in, when it was mixed with the poison, it was they said it was supposed to get the poison out of his system, but actually what the gas was doing was it was um, making it so he could have a stroke or heart attack and then he would just be found or, you know, just, it would be written up that he was just, he just died, you know, poor Ted type thing. And he realized that the, even the emergency room had been, somebody there had been, it was infiltrated and paid off that these people were everywhere as crazy as that sounds. Um, he realized when he was being poisoned that they were actually pumping the poison into his apartment through a gas and actually through his car as well. He had noticed on his car there was a liquid and two needle marks that went through the top of the car seal. And he kept smelling something sweet in his apartment and actually in his car. But by then, by the time he realized it, it was too late. And that's when he ended up in the ER. And um, that's when they gave him the gas. And he realized that, you know, even there, he was not safe. Um, whether it was a doctor that worked there or a fake doctor that walked in, you know, we don't know. Um, so the gas was supposed to cause a stroke or heart attack. And um, his associate was on his way to Ted during the course of his ER visit. And somehow he got boxed in between two cars that were really, really close to him, like literally boxed him in. He couldn't figure out what was going on. And he said that at one moment, the car in front of him had spewed out this smoke that was like a blue-black smoke. He had never seen anything like this come out of a car. And right afterwards, he got very, very sick. Immediately afterwards, he even started to have scabs that were like forming in his head over months like he 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 never got better I mean not for a while he just he had just kept getting sicker and sicker or just stayed sick his his you know head was even scabbing over then in May of that year after he was he was on like this embankment in Oklahoma he was out fishing like on an embankment in Oklahoma some fellow comes up to him out of nowhere and starts talking to him about UFOs. And he said, he doesn't know where this guy came from, who he was. He was just like a strange guy. And he said, for some reason, there were all these flies around. It was like an abnormal amount of flies. Couldn't figure out where they came from or why they were there suddenly. And they hadn't been there before. So my philosophy on that was that the guy might have put something on himself to attract the flies. Like some kind of a syrup or... Something he was he had on his person that was attracting flies, or he was just a demon, who knows? But anyway, so he um started talking about UFOs, and at one point he slapped him. His name was Malcolm. Uh, Gunderson's friend. His name was Malcolm. Um, so this this mysterious man just reaches over and slaps Malcolm with an open hand, and says, "Oops, there's a fly." Malcolm immediately becomes sick and the guy disappeared. So Malcolm was tested by blood later on because he kept, he just was sick. He wouldn't get better. 
tested by blood at Gunderson's request, and there was no problem with his blood test. Finally, a few weeks later, they sent him to the toxicology lab to send his blood work in there, and he got a report back that he had uranium-235 in his blood in his bloodstream in his system. You can't just pick up uranium off the street, guys. It's not something you can't get it at Walmart or, you know, Wegmans or, you know, it's military. Uranium is military issued. Uh, Ted Gunderson raised money to get Malcolm help, and he also raised money to help him get out of the country. They researched safe places to go, countries, for everybody to eventually be able to go to, for people to know where they can go to, okay? Because everything points to the direction, to that direction, just like Nazi Germany. You know, the railroad cars that Ted Gunderson has witnessed, the intermittent camps that are being formed, that every there's many people all across the country talking about these intermittent camps. FEMA, foreign troops on our soil, passage of the Patriot Act, and so on and so forth. Gunderson said it's just a matter of time. It's not if, it's when. We need to find out if there's still anywhere that we can go. Think of Nazi Germany. The Jews that got out of there survived the ones the ones that got out survived is what I meant to say. The ones that didn't get out were the ones that didn't make it. It's all pointing to this, guys. You know? They have information that Sonny Bono was murdered. And I'll I'll try to get into more of that, too, later. I can't get into too much of that now. Um, but Sonny Bono... Bob Fletcher was a producer who was a very good friend of Sonny Bono's. And he had developed information about the CIA drug operation. Okay, and I'll get into more on that later too. Fletcher was in touch with Sonny Bono and had given him this information just before Bono's ski trip. Bono was an expert skier, guys. This was not an amateur skier. I always thought, I remember when this happened, how weird it was that he died. It just, it just was uncanny. Sonny Bono said to Fletcher that when he got back from his ski trip, he was going to issue subpoenas. And he never made it back. And they said he ran into a tree that was 150 feet off of the ski run. He had five abrasions on his forehead. His ski cap and his goggles were completely missing, never to be found. Why would that be? Maybe a bullet, bullet holes, something was covered up there. He had four layers of clothes on his back, and there was blood that bled through all four layers, but no injuries on his back were found. Okay, that's, that's the deal with Sonny Bono, basically, summing that all up. The Johnny Camp abduction story, reptilian story. There's a lot of other stories I want to get into with Ted Gunderson. Um, 
I will get into that stuff later. I just, I'm not prepared today for all that. Uh, there was a book that was written, Adam Weishoff, who became pretty well known for what he wrote, the book that he had written. I do not remember the name of the title of that book. I should have gotten that. I'll have to look that up in my next podcast on with Gunderson. Um, 25 goals that were announced by Adam Weishoff. May the 1st, 1776, on how to take over the world. That might be the name of the book. This is what it's all about. Control the press, corrupt the youth through sex and drugs. Think music industry. Okay. Corrupt the youth through sex and drugs. Do you remember growing up? I don't know how many of you are kids of the 80s or the 60s or the 70s. Mainly those times. Think of the music industry, guys. What did it preach? Sex and drugs. And of course, music. That's how they get to the youth. There are spells that are put on the music that are put through by the Illuminati and the Satanists. And they're put out there. That's how they control the kids. Disrespect. And now they get into, they, get, they turned it into, they went from the free love and the drugs and all that stuff into shootings, killings, being a thug, being a gangster, the rap music. It, it's just sickness. I mean, I don't know if you've really looked at some of the videos that they put out, but even the K-pop stuff, you know? You would not believe the symbolism in this stuff. These girls are just singing songs and the words to the songs, the symbolism in the videos, it's shocking. And then they do these interviews with them and they're just these really nice, sweet, cute girls, you know, all sweet and innocent. You know, when they're on videos, they're all sexual you know, singing about Satan or this fallen angel that fell from the sky or, I mean, it just, just goes on and on. You know, the eyes, the the black wings, it's craziness. Drugs, music industry, elect your own people to office. Those were some of the goals, some of the goals that they had set for their agenda. So I will find out the name of that book too. I thought, like I said, it might be how to take over the world. <sighs> A lot of stuff, isn't it? Pretty crazy stuff. The reason I'm mixing all of this, the topics, because now I'm about to get into, I like to kind of touch a little bit of a lot and the reason I'm doing this is because a lot of people, when they do podcasts, where they talk about something, they talk about one thing. So people don't ever connect it. They talk about, okay, the music industry is infiltrated with Satanism. Okay. Okay. And then there's, there'll be another video on the government, how corrupt the government is, the conspiracy theorists, you know, how they're crazy, you know, flat earthers, conspiracy theorists, all this stuff, and I'm not going to get into the flat earth stuff because I don't know. I, I can't honestly say I don't know. 
I know what Admiral Byrd wrote, you know, who was an admiral in the Army or Navy. I'm sorry, he was in the Navy. Um, I know what he said, that it was like a dome, that we live in like this enclosed area that it, it, it drops off on the edges. <laughs> so it's a, it's a little, it's kind of unsettling, you know, but whether I believe that or not, I don't know that, you know, I'd have to see that with my own eyes, I think, you know, but, um, it's just everything. It's like, you know, if you look into the government and you, you look at what's going on with people that talk about the government, okay. And then they don't get into the music industry or they don't get into the aliens, you know, like with the music industry and that like all these connections and you have to understand all of this is connected. It's all connected. It's interconnected. It comes from the same source, whether it's government, cryptids, aliens, reptilians, Egypt and pyramids, you know, music industry, you know, pedophilia, any of it, it's all interconnected. It's the same source. It's biblical. It's biblical. So there was a man, he was a, um, give me one second. I'm just looking at, I'm just looking over my notes here real quick. Eric von Daniken, expert archeologist, expert on many topics. He discussed with a colleague that all the structures in Greece are linked geometrically. Von Daniken said, no, this is not possible because Greece is a land full of mountains and hills, water, and islands. It makes no sense. They would be connected geometrically. You cannot see them with a naked eye. Okay. So, just like the island of Crete, you can't see that with a naked eye. So the next morning, Von Daniken met with military air force captain and the professor he was a professor of archaeology and they had discussed this gigantic they had like a gigantic map in front of them of greece on the table and he asked the military chief like what he was even doing there like what he had to do with archaeology that he was a man of military of the air force you know he said and then the guy the military captain said eric it's pure coincidence, and went on to explain how their young pilots they teach have to do exercises for flying, shooting, measuring, etc. And by the end, when they come back from their flight, they have to fill out these, these reports. And it was becoming clear and curious that no matter where they flew to and back from, they had used the same amount of gasoline. And the military said, come on, what is this? This isn't possible. Again, the word not possible. <laughs> so and they said, well, that's what we use. You know, we don't know what to tell you. So they started to measure and soon realized, mm -hmm. hang on, my phone is, soon realized it's the same place from each other, from Delphi to Olympia to Acropolis. And that's how it all came to light for them, for the military. From one point to the next, it's it always makes what they call the golden section. Always the same difference from one point to the other. And they were just, you know, they couldn't understand how it was possible. 
kept repeatedly asking, how is this possible? In Greek, in Greece, they had brilliant mathematicians. For example, they had, I, I pronounce it Euclid. It's actually Euclid, I think is how you pronounce his name, but I'm bad with pronunciations at times. He lived from 323 to 285 BC. Um, Pythagoras, Pythagoras, 570 to 495 BC, and Plato from 428 to 347 BC, who, he wasn't actually a mathematician, but he was writing about mythology and stuff like that, so. Um, now note, Plato spoke of the gods, fallen angels, that came down with watchers to come later and taught humans many secrets that were in heaven that were forbidden to us in exchange for wives and just overall corruption to the human race. And they were known to us as the Greek gods or the gods of mythology, but they were real. They were the fallen ones. They were the actual watchers. They were basically the watchers um, that really befriended us and taught us. And I would say that the watchers were the ones that lacked the hatred that the fallen angels had for us. The, the Lucifer and the fallen angels, from the way I, I interpret this, that they were the ones that just loathed humankind. The watchers came and they were the ones that fell in love with human women. And the head of the watcher, um, wanted to, of the watchers wanted to take a wife of his own and marry, and then they ended up reproducing and the giants came forth from that. So in a sense, they're, they're different sectors of the fallen ones, but ultimately they were all judged. But I believe that the, that the watchers were actually the ones that were mainly the Greek gods and the gods of mythology. So Van, Von Daniken said that they must have calculated it somehow, like that these people, you know, they, that they must have somehow figured out how to, you know, set these up so they were geometric and stuff. And it just, you know, it just didn't make any sense. So it posed the question, how? And the professor of archaeology said, no, that wasn't possible because all these places were like holy places. They were hallowed places in the stone age, in the stone age time. Okay. Only later, for example, in Delphi, there's a temple called Apollo, the Apollo Temple, and is, it is constructed over stone aged walls, which are much older than the two layers of walls from the Apollo Temple's time, 2400 to 2500 BC. All these places are older and have nothing to do with Euclid or the Pythagoras or Plato or the mathematicians that existed way before that time. Sorry, my mouth is so dry right now. I'm trying to talk and getting all tongue twisted here. I gotta take a sip of water. So they said that there's just no way that, you know, the rock, it, it just, it didn't add up, okay? It does not add up. So Von Daniken believes that these were signs left by the extraterrestrials or what we would call depending on what you believe, the extraterrestrials, fallen angels, watchers, gods of their time, however you want to label them, Von Daniken believed 
that these these the reason that this this was done the geometry the lines the buildings the way everything you know would add up to these perfect triangles the pyramids stuff like that he believed that they wanted to leave signs for us for the future that humans in future w would figure it out and that there is a system here you know that we would figure that out the connection to it mathematically humans of the time were directed when helping to place things in certain ways and places for generations of future to realize it was done by a much higher beings it was their message to us of proof of their existence okay without the geometrical patterns of the past the future generations would never have come up with the questions and search for the facts or the answers thousands of years ago this stuff was created in the stone age time and von i can never pronounce his name daniken he claimed that he believed that this stuff was built in Enoch's time, not during the time of like these Egyptian kings when they reigned. He really, and I, you know, Enoch is somebody that I'm very fascinated with. And I've spoke of him before, but I cannot wait to meet Enoch. He was a man that walked with God every day, talked with God, visited with God, walked with him, you know, imagine that. I mean, imagine having God love you so much that he comes out of heaven every day to take walks with you, talks with you, and then one day opens his door to heaven and says, do you want to come in? He takes him and he never dies and he never comes back. Except for when Noah had, you know, sent for him. They wanted to converse with him. Um, he was turned into the only human that ever became an archangel and he is the largest archangel that ever existed. He's basically like in his true form, he's the size of like a planet. They say he's enormous, but in human form, when he comes down here, they said he looks like a piper. He, he wears like a hat with the feather in it and you know, it's pretty cool stuff. But so, um, he believed this archeologist believed that. Enoch was, it was his time, pre-flood time, that they had built so many of these structures knowing that they would survive the flood and, you know, even the pyramids and stuff and that they, you know, they were done by these fallen angels and these watchers that fell. That they were not, you know, most of it was not done by humans. Um, I They definitely helped with some of it, but it was not, I mean, they, there's no way. Humans could have done what they did. They just could never have done this from the air because the, these calculations were done through, you know, they had to be from done from the air. And the angels, the fallen angels, the watchers, their abode is in the sky. It's not in hell. They're not in hell right now, okay? They're not living. I mean, they go underground. I believe that. Satan said to God one day when God asked him where he was that he was, you know, in around and, and on the earth. So he was inside of the earth. And according to the Admiral Byrd, he went inside of the earth. He was guided down by some Nordic looking beings 
which would add up to being angelic looking creatures that never took on a different form. They still look like angels, only they lost their wings. They look Nordic, blonde hair, blue eyes, very tall, took them underground, and there's an entire world underground. This is what Admiral Byrd saw. He saw dinosaurs, mammoths, this beautiful world of every kind of creature you could imagine, aliens, it was all there. And they, they let him stay, and then they, they finally escorted him out and let him go. They let him leave, which is shocking. So it, it goes into the, the people that end up missing. Okay, that's another thing. There's a link there. People that never are found. Where did they go? Okay. Are some of these people that are being selected? David Pilates talks all the time about the people that typically that are missing are the people that are, have the highest intelligence, doctors, lawyers, physicists, college educated people. Most of the people that are taken, most of them are of German descent, the Nazis. Okay. Which some of them were adopted into our country and worked for NASA and our government. It's this guys, it's all linked. It's all linked. Okay. I gotta find my place here. So thousands of years ago, we're created in the stone age time. We have the facts. These things exist and were created long ago. We have the question, how, who, and ultimately, ultimately exactly when. We know of different artifacts surrounding the earth that were up there way before the Russian satellite Sputnik, later American. There's all kinds of stuff that's even floating around up in the sky, guys. Artifacts that were from ancient times. But in science, they always, you know, look for the natural explanation. First, before anything, supernatural. It's always something that's the natural explanation. You know, oh, it must be a piece of rock or stone that got into our solar system through gravity or a meteorite brought it in. It's always something like that. That's why not there's no money whatsoever that's being spent on doing any research on it. Nothing. Because they just try to justify it. Even though these things are clearly floating around, they've seen them on satellites, they've seen them, they've gotten pictures of all kinds of things that were definitely made by something. And they won't do any research on it. The gods were admired by our ancestors. To them, they would have been gods. That's plural. To God, they would have been rebellious fallen children, cursed ones. The human mind couldn't fathom their abilities and knowledge. So they adored them. And they created certain places to become holy to humans that were visited by these cursed beings. The ley lines were not natural lines. They were definitely made by humans, all put in one line, because the gods, or ETs, or fallen ones, whatever you want to call them, wanted them that way. Small lines are one thing, but when you have lines that are 3,000 kilometers crossing the Alps, or in ancient Greece, you have this geometrical pattern where every prehistoric side is linked together with the next one and you cannot see by your eyes on land this isn't possible the fallen ones reside in the air like i said 
Again, portals, missing people, extraterrestrials. Think about this. Connect the dots, guys. Once you start connecting all these dots, you're going to start to understand that this is biblical. We are in a war. We are surrounded by supernatural beings, gods, fallen angels, demons, the devil, even God himself, angels from heaven. There is a real war going on here. People have seen stuff with their own eyes. Way too many near-death experiences all across the globe. People that have seen the same thing. People that were atheists. People, the kids that can barely talk. That come back and know stuff they shouldn't know. About their parents. About everything. It's time to really open your eyes here. Okay? And... This is not a joke. This is pretty serious stuff. So I'm going to end this tonight here. I'm going to get into some stuff about the period, uh, the pyramids next week. Um, I might put off doing some more stuff about Ted Gunderson next week. I might, I think what I'm going to do, not next week, next time I do a podcast, it could be a couple days, you know, but um, I will do some more stuff on, on this, on what I'm talking about here and get into some of the pyramid stuff. And I'm going to do some more stories for you of supernatural stuff. What was the thing I wanted to do? Oh, there's a a legend, something called the, it's called the Knot Deer. Something like that. I just heard about this last week and I was interested in that. I wanted to get into some of that and um, a couple other things I had in mind. So I'll get into some more stories. This is a lot of work. You guys have no idea how much work and research goes into this stuff. This is not a joke. I mean, this is, you learn a lot along the way. And I've been doing this for years. I've been, I have been just day after day after day for years now, never missing a day of doing some kind of learning, some kind of research constantly, just absorbing everything and anything I can absorb. Or learn, you know, even learning things from the Lord that he teaches me and shows me. I feel like he guides me through a lot of it. You know, I'll be like, you know, what do you want me to talk about, you know, tomorrow or today or in my next podcast? Then all of a sudden, not that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always doing research and stuff, but there's like something that will clearly pop up that you feel like, okay, that's what he wants me to talk about. So it's it's pretty neat because you feel like you're being guided. So this is, it's, it's a real long process. It's takes years to know everything that I've learned. I can tell you that it's taken me years and it is quite a journey. So stick with me. I know you're not always going to like everything I say. You're not always going to agree with everything I think or say, or, you know, my feelings or theories on things. And you don't have to, that's what makes everybody you know, we, we all are valuable. Our opinions count. You know, we have to, we can kind of teach each, each other. You know, it, it's something that you keep, your, you keep yourself open to information and analyze it and see if your spirit feels that it's truth. That's what I go on. I go on how I feel. What does my gut tell me? You know, so that's what I base what my feelings are on and, and on prayer and talking to the Lord and just a lot of gut instinct. 
So, and I definitely know that every single thing that's going on here is all part of all of each, it's all part of each other. You know, right down to the coronavirus and the end times. It's all part of it. I will see you guys soon. You guys have a wonderful evening. We'll be talking to you soon. Find me on YouTube if you'd rather listen to me there. If not, spread the word. You know, share my channel with people. Um, talk about it. Message me if you have stories. Message them to me. I'd love to get them in. I love getting stories. It's it's just so cool when you get stories from people. I'm still planning to have some people on. They're just, every time I plan to get them on, something happens. You know, like Robin got, she was bitten by dogs. So she's been in the hospital for a couple weeks. Um, Chandler got sick. <laughs> Alex has been busy with work. It's been one thing after another, but I am still planning on having everybody on. I just, I'm just not sure when yet. So hang in there for me. We'll get to it. God bless you guys. Stay safe. And I will be back soon. Take care.